ain't a junkie, I just draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy. I ain't a junkie, I just draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy, and I ain't a junkie, I just draft a lot. I ain't really got a lot of thoughts, I just pack them in a box. So I popped up on this pod, now I'm outside of the box. When I pop up on the clock, last thing I think is talk. See, I'm winning it now, loving it three and a thou. They peeping my style, keeping it now, steadily growing my Dow Jones. Oh no, these kids be thinking they prowl. Oh no, no, immediately throwing the towel. See, when it's different, it's different. Go position by position, ain't no issue commission. As a commission, I just listen. They envision my vision and my division. I'm stealing, cause I be willing and dealing. Find me the trade, cause I'm a fiend. I'm a junkie, ayy, and I'm a junkie, ayy. Ain't no denying my supply, I'm a junkie, ayy. See, I'm a junkie, ayy, and I'm a junkie, ayy. Be getting high off my supply, I'm a junkie, ayy. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 169 of the Dynasty Junkies podcast, a proud member of the Dynasty Addicts podcast network, or the DAP network, if you will. And I do. Uh, tonight, it is me, Andrew Hall, solo hosting tonight from the Dynasty Junkies in the A-chair. Uh, we've got some different things we want to get into on the depth of Dynasty tonight. And I figured if we're going to start like pivoting to the offseason and looking forward to how can we be better next year and you know, maybe you're in the finals, maybe you're in the semifinals. That's great. I'm happy for you. I'm not going to you know, be upset about that. But the majority of leagues, the majority of teams are out of it and are looking for the next year and trying to figure out what can I do? How can I get better? How can I sharpen this? And I felt like we needed to get somebody on who's what I would consider one of the OGs of Dynasty and kind of go back to the basics. And let's start talking deep with some Dynasty news. We've got Leo Pasiga on the show tonight at Siga underscore FF. Leo, how are you tonight, sir? I'm great. I'm great. It's really, uh, I'm really excited to be here and talk about some dynasty strategy because you know that's where I'm the most comfortable. Amen. Amen. No, and that's, so am I. And I know you were one of the people that I followed probably early on in my time in dynasty about five years ago now, somewhere in there. I followed everybody that was DLF related and just kind of, you know, dove really deep down that rabbit hole of dynasty when I got in. I you know, kind of went a little nuts, uh, maybe went a little too far with it out of the gate, but that's sort of what happens with dynasty it becomes an addiction. Um, but I remember seeing a lot of the threads that you would put out and just I love the idea of how you how your mind works. And I thought at some point I got to pick that guy's brain like, man, that just seems like somebody would have a great conversation to talk about the the basics of Dynasty uh, and all of that. But before we get into some of the news this week, why don't you just let people know where you like, I guess where you come from in Dynasty and what have you done in the space? I know you've been kind of quiet lately, but you're still playing. Is that right? Uh, actually I'm a hundred percent out of dynasty at the moment. Go. The only, the only, the only fantasy football league I'm currently playing, uh, last year and this year is the fishbowl. Right. And, yep. um, but I started playing fantasy football back in the mid eighties. And, uh, so I've been around for a very long time and, uh, longer than I'd like to admit, I think sometimes. And, uh, you know, and in, in, in that space, uh, during that time frame, I've done a lot of different things. Uh, most of my time has been spent at DLF, and uh, I've done everything there from being a senior writer. Um, I've hosted a podcast uh, for, for about a year. Um, and then there was a time period, too, when uh, Liz Loza and John Evans had their his and hers, I believe it was, or X's oh, yeah. and Y's. I forget what exactly the name of it was, but there was a period in time where Liz went out on her first maternity leave, and I was the co-host of that podcast for uh, for quite a while. 
with John. And that was, uh, that's really where I cut my teeth on a lot of this stuff. And I, you know, I thank Liz and John regularly for their, you know, just, I was new to the industry and, and they were very welcoming and, and I learned a lot from them. Um, you know, just in, in Jim day too, who we just recently lost, sadly, um, fantasy Taz, who, um, yeah, Taz. You know, opened the door for me in a, in a lot of ways. And so, so I, yeah, I know a lot of the OGs, a lot of the old timers and, um, watching some of the new guys come in and, and, you know, kind of spread their wings and, and, and make a name for themselves has been very, a lot of fun. And now I kind of just sit in the shadows and try to help and mentor <laughs> and guide and, and, and just be a, hopefully an influencing factor from, from the shadows is kind of where I'm at now. When I do write, it's at DLF and, you know, probably once or twice a year, I still put out an article, but mostly I'm on Twitter, just trying to drop dynasty threads and answering DMs and trying to help, you know, anytime you have strategy questions or rebuilding concerns, um, that's kind of where I, I, I find my, my strengths and, and where I like to help the folks kind of navigate some of those challenging waters. Amen to that. Yeah. And we'll definitely get into some of that tonight. I know that there's a a lot of different ways our conversation can go, and I'm just excited to see what happens there. But before we get into our strategies, I do want to talk about some news. Obviously, we are looking at, you know, semifinals for most leagues. I know the majority of leagues that I'm in, uh, you know, last week was the start of the playoffs. Next week is the championship. Week 18, nobody plays. Uh, And if you are playing in a week 18 championship, I'm sorry for your luck. That's that could be really brutal. We'll see what happens this year. Um, but I just feel like every year it, it's just a rough time that last week. But uh, the biggest news and notes that I at least wanted to mention here at the top of the show, Jamar Chase is is out, officially out for the week for the Bengals. Uh, you know, I have a lot of shares of Jamar Chase in Dynasty uh, as a homer. I'm a Bengals fan. I'm not hiding it. Anyone who knows me knows I'm a Bengals fan. Uh, so I have a lot of Joe Burrow, a lot of Jamar Chase. And I, I am down and, and downtrodden about this. I don't like it. But it is what it is. It's the nature of the game. I need him most, and he's out. It's okay. It's okay. I've got a deep bench. I've got some roster people I can put in there. Um, but I guess just while we're talking about Jamar Chase, I, Leo, I kind of wanted to pick your brain for a hot second here. Um, just is Jamar Chase the wide receiver one in Dynasty? Do you think it's Justin Jefferson? Is there somebody else? Like, What are your thoughts on the top of the wide receivers here in Dynasty? I would... I would lean it. I mean, it's close, right? I mean, that's the reason yeah. you asked the question because there are so many um, common similarities between um, the two players, Jefferson and Chase. And and you, I mean, if you poll twelve people, six are going to say Jefferson, six are probably going to say Chase. I think the differentiating factor for me is the quarterback play and Mm. and burrow um has a little bit more even though we're dealing with obviously injuries now you know uh, more frequently than we would like uh i still think that that situation uh long term is just more cemented than what the vikings are looking at and Mm -hmm. so if i had to pick i mean i would be happy with either uh, but if I had to pick, uh, it would be Chase over Jefferson uh, by a hair. And then, I mean, and ultimately the other question that comes into play is just what's the longevity of Tyreek Hill? What does that look mm-hmm. like? You know, because obviously, you know, and then. And, and, He's a and, game breaker. Yeah. yeah. And, and so if you had picked him as, if you had him as your wide receiver one on your dynasty teams, you'd be sitting pretty at the moment for the most part. And, um, you know, based on what he's done this year has been phenomenal, but ultimately dynasty is a longevity game. And, um, and I think that's where some of the philosophy comes in. What, 
what window do you look at dynasty in, right? Are you one of these people that looks at, hey, I want to have my wide receiver one, I want a five-year window, you know, or am I a person that wants a two-year window? What does that look like? Am I going to have constant churn on my roster? And certain people are different from a comfort level with different amounts of time, you know, on the runway, right? Somebody somebody wants a Jefferson or a Chase that they feel that they can plug and play for the next five years. Other people are more comfortable with, hey, let me get the most dynamic score right now, even if it's a two-year window. So, but again, to answer your question, it would be Chase for me. Yeah, it's Chase for me too. And like you said, it's close. Like, you know, it it really is, uh, I wouldn't say it's quite a flip of a coin, but it's like a different day. I could get a different answer, right? Like I'm, I would almost say like I'm easily swayed. If you present an argument to me about why Jefferson should be the number one, I'm more likely to be like, yeah, okay. Like that's how close they are to me. They're, they're definitely in the same tier. Uh, I like Hill up there. I like AJ Brown too. I think he's going to be around on a very high powered offense for a while. CD lamb of course is coming up in this part of that conversation, but I just feel like it's still, it's Chase and Jefferson and then a very small tier break to the other three there. But I'm not going to be upset with anybody who has any of those five ahead uh, I know there are some people that are trying to put Puka Nakua up there. I think that's a little early. I know there are some people that are, you know, I have different players here and there. And it's just like, I don't know if, if Chase or Jefferson has done anything or has missed enough time for me to be that worried about him. Even with Jefferson missing time this year and Chase obviously not missing this week, I'm still not moving them much in Dynasty. You know, like that, that injury stuff doesn't really, I don't know, it doesn't really change my mind. It's still going to, it's going to come out in the wash, right? There's, there's still going to be terrific players. But your point about the Burrow thing and the quarterback difference, I think that that's kind of what breaks the tie for me too, right? Like yep. just a little more certain for Chase's future. Uh, some other news and notes this week. Uh, I'll kind of run through these real quick. I'm guessing everybody who's listening has already heard this, but just in case not, we got Keaton Mitchell for Baltimore, ACL injury out for the year. Kind of a shame. I, I liked what he was doing. I liked the spark he was giving that team. Obviously, the, the team lost Dobbins earlier this year. Now to lose Mitchell. They did sign Melvin Gordon off the practice squad. So in those super deep leagues, maybe go see if Gordon's on waivers. I know he was on in one of mine. Uh, Aaron Rodgers definitely not coming back in 2023, but he's already said, and I don't know if I believe it, that 2024 will not be his last year. I mean, let's pause here for a second, Leo. What are your thoughts, I guess, on Aaron Rodgers and Superflex? Is he somebody you're willing to take a risk on, or are you kind of just like entirely out on that entire, I don't know, mess, for lack of a better word? I think... Personally, I've had enough Aaron Rodgers to last me a lifetime. Um, Same. I, I, it's funny, right? Because if you watch uh, the, the sports news channels, you've got uh, ESPN and, and all they do is, you know, praise him and put him on every possible show that, you know, Pat McAfee show every time you turn around. Um, and then you've got, if you go over to, um, FS1, you've got Colin Cowherd who can't stand him. And yep. so you get, it's almost like CNN and Fox news. You get the complete opposite <laughs> ends of the perspective, depending on which sports talk show you listen to. Um, I guess for me, from a value standpoint, because let's be honest, whether you, whether you like somebody or not, whether you are sick of somebody or not, what's the value? Because that's ultimately what's going to decide exactly. how, how I feel about somebody as far as fantasy football purposes. So to me, it's whatever the consensus is. If the consensus, especially within my leagues, is that he's still a valuable commodity and super flex, then I'm moving him without even question, without even questioning it because of the age, because of the injury, because of the nonsense that is the Jets. If there's value there, I want to move him. And if there if there isn't value there, if they, if he's a castaway, if he's an afterthought, then I'll buy him exactly. because there's a there's a good possibility that 
if he starts hot next year, if he does put together two or three decent games, you now have a valuable chip that you could potentially move. So to me, it's all about it's all about reading the tea leaves. What does my league think from a value perspective? What weight is he carrying? And um, and it may not be that I move him now or that I buy him. Now, it may yeah. be that that happens three months from now. It's all about just kind of keeping your finger on the pulse of of the value and then moving against uh, moving against the masses. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I always say the the biggest thing when it comes to is it a buy or a sell is, well, what is what is your league doing? Right. Is, is the value in your league worth buying or selling? I completely agree. I know that there are a couple of leagues that I'm in where it's already been mentioned in the in the group chat at various points throughout the season after Rodgers went down on what the fourth play of the year, right? Like yep. he really hasn't put up any points this year. I mean, he barely even took a snap, but there was a lot of talk here and there about like, oh, he's going to be back. And we saw a lot of moves right after the injury about like, you know, people putting their kind of putting their chips in and like showing their cards and seeing what they thought. I have a feeling that if he already got traded after his injury, you're most likely not going to get him again. But if he's on the same team and, and hasn't been moved, there's a potential that maybe the guy is just wearing thin and now you can get him for less, right? So some of that stuff, kind of all that context comes to play. And I know we'll get into some of that with some of the strategy talk too, is that you got to know your league mates, as you always say. Like that is the biggest thing that you can always do is just do a little bit of research, keep notes, which we'll get into. But yeah, if somebody in your league hates Aaron Rodgers then and he has Rodgers on his team, then now is the time to strike, right? Like just be like, hey, you're not getting anything for him. He's a jerk. You're not going to like him. I'll take him off your hands for a third, right? Like who knows? And yep. that's the kind of stuff that you might send it, might get laughed at. You might get accepted. You never know. And why not? Send well, and, and the fact, so one of the things I talk about, and we'll probably talk about it a little more later is, is there is information to be gleaned when you're dealing with league chats yes. or, or just emails back and forth or text groups or whatever it is that you have with your particular league, because now that he's at the forefront, now that there's news going on, you can get a feel for, you don't have to send out offers. You can kind of get a feel and read the tea leaves. What does my league think of him now? If all of a sudden the person that has him rostered is bashing him in the chat, you know, not necessarily his value, but just his demeanor, the way he's acting, the way he's playing against the, you know, whatever whatever vibe you can gleam off of the off of the group chat well now you've got some idea all right do i want to make an offer how is how is he reacting so i think there's value in this time of year in places that you wouldn't normally think to look uh, it's not just going to be trade negotiations it's going to be conversation that just just takes place especially as more and more teams aren't involved but are still part of the league they tend to visit the message board or the, you know, the homepage for whether it's sleeper or MFL. And they tend to get involved in the chat because there's still football still going on. They're still part mm -hmm. of the league. They don't just disappear. So, but they're not necessarily as invested because they're not in the championship. So there's a right. lot of dialogue taking place that you need to kind of watch. Yeah. And actually there, there are some other news notes and stuff I put on the list, but m most of them are really small and ins inconsequential. I think we'll use this as a pivot into when to pivot in a way too. Uh, and you mentioned it already. I mean, like knowing your league is a big piece of this and knowing your your league mates. Uh, mm -hmm. And like you just said there too, you know, maybe sometimes I've done this a couple of times in my leagues where I'll, I'll just send a link to an ESPN article or something, you know, no comment on it, no pro or negative, just to, just throw it out there, kind of see what the fish are biting on. And then you get a guy that says something like, oh, he's a jag or he'll never be something. And I'm like, perfect. That's the info I'm looking for. Like that's free information that you you can use. So to kind of to your point too, like the league chat can be a very vital usage, especially in the off season when people are, you know, maybe letting their guard down a little bit. 
or well, they're not really trying to win. And there's no contest this week. There's no matchup. There's no, there's like, Hey, I can, I can be a little loose with the words. Right. And that's, that's a lot of fun for me. Yeah. And, and I think the most, the most valuable opportunity for you to kind of um, get some information is after a big trade takes place Yes, in your league. If there's a blockbuster deal like it's that takes place, first of all, if one team wins a trade from a, a lopsided perspective, that the team that wins usually likes to talk about it a lot. And that's when you can kind of get some, not just player values, but also like, well, so what do you do? Do you do you trust an outside source to evaluate your rookies? Do you do it yourself? Do you watch film? Are you analytics? What? So you can, uh, somebody who wins a trade generally has looser lips at that particular time because they're feeling pretty good about the fact the that they cocky. just made that yeah. trade. They just made yep. that trade. They want you to know that they know what they're doing. So they tend to drop the wall a little bit. But the other thing is, again, big blockbuster trades gives you an idea like, oh, I, I would have traded this person if they had just asked me or, right. you know, it, it gives you an opportunity to kind of loosen the wheels a little bit and, and glean some of that information. So that's a huge time to gain tidbits is when when some trades go down in your league. And, and on that note, too, I, I'm a big proponent of no trade deadline in Dynasty. I, I don't think there's a need for a trade deadline. I know a lot of times we hear people that kind of come back and say, well, you know, it's to prevent collusion. And I'm like, if you think not having a trade deadline or sorry, you think having a trade deadline is going to prevent collusion. You don't know what collusion is like. That's not going to stop anything. And well, ultimately, the only people that get hurt with this not having the ability to trade are the bad teams, right? The teams that can actually strike and make a difference that could be sending someone like Jake Browning for a second right now. You know, like that's a that's a bad team that could be that could use that second that could see their value bump up. The good team that's sending away their late second for Browning needs the points and is willing to pay that overinflated value for that. And I think that's why I'm a huge proponent of not having a deadline yeah. because your, your league is should not ever really go to sleep. You should always be willing to, to at least have the doors open, right? You don't always have yeah. to be you know open for business, but don't lock the doors. That's kind of the, the analogy there. Yeah, um, this is I'm, exactly why, right? I'm, I'm a huge proponent of, of playing in whatever format makes you happy, right? Sure, sure. Whether, whether yep. there's a trade deadline or there isn't. I think what it really comes, because I agree with you, I like leagues that don't have a trade deadline. But I think there's a level of security and a level of comfort in the structure of having a trade deadline. That means that, okay, now rosters are going. So if you didn't make the playoffs, but at least rosters are now locked and you don't have to worry about, a major power shift. And I think that gives a level of security to some folks sure. and, and, and to some players that matters. So uh, I think as players, especially newer dynasty players prefer a trade yes. deadline. Yep. And I think as you get just like newer dy dynasty players don't generally like auctions right out of the gate, or they don't like a third round reversal because it's a trick there, not a trick, but just a format that they're not comfortable with. But as they get more and more adapt comfortable and they start to learn how to evaluate rank players make deals and they start to build those skills then i think the training wheels come off and then i think a lot of times they'll transition a league from trade deadline to no deadline simply because they're just more comfortable and don't need that structure i completely agree yep and i think that's exactly the way to be too i think there's there is some value too and, and we'll get into some of these later in, in the dynasty junkies leagues we were talking about this a little bit before the show there are 14 team super flex leagues and we do not have a trade deadline and there were three trades in each league this week, you know, for, for teams contending there, you know, I'm contending mm -hmm. in one of them and I wanted to make some moves to try to help my team out. But the other wrinkle, which I think is kind of fun too, is that our leagues, uh, we allow, it's kind of like a draft. So the, the number one rated, uh, 
team, I guess, the, the best team available gets to pick their opponent in the playoffs. So the funny thing is we did that draft where everybody picked their opponents and then trades went through and it was like, oh, crap, I wish I would have picked a different opponent, right? <laughs> but that's what I love about that because it's like, I'm not going to make that trade yet. I want to look like I'm a snake in the grass. I don't want to look like, you know, you can't tell what I am, but that's what makes it fun. So obviously you could take that and say, well, that's annoying. That shouldn't happen. I don't like that. Great. Then don't be in a league that offers that. Right. But I love that kind of chaos. I love that kind of gamesmanship. I love that kind of fun, Right. But no two leagues are the same. And at the same time, no two leagues are going to – you're not meant for every league. Let's put it that way. Right. Like, there are definitely leagues that I've been in that for one reason or another, whether it's the format or the group or the platform or whatever, like just I'm not vibing on it, right? It's just not for me. Yep. It's not personal. It's not meant to be an insult. It's just more like, eh, I, I, I don't – I'm not having the fun I want to have. So go find leagues that definitely are what you want. And if you want a trade deadline, I'm, I'm all for it. I'm just telling you that I don't prefer it. It's just more fun for me, and I think it helps the bottom teams. Uh, on that note too, I guess let's, let's talk about this for a second. Cause I know I put this on the sheet too. Like we're at the time of year where you start to think, all right, maybe let's say you're out of it. Let's say you were, you know, not even in the playoffs. You're not even close. And you're looking at the next year and saying, all right, what do I do? Where do I go? Well, the first thing I always say, the first thing you got to do is decide if you're staying in the league or not. And I just mentioned, it. if you're not having a good time, if you're not vibing, you're not just, it's not for you. Please tell the commissioner as soon as you know, as soon as you've decided you should let the commissioner know. And I have been in a ton of leagues in my time. You know, it's been five, six years I've been playing Dynasty. I've probably been in 100 leagues at this point. I don't know. Um, maybe not that many. But um, let's say it's 70 leagues. And Leo, you might have been in more than this. But I have rarely seen a commissioner get bent out of shape because somebody leaves the league, right? The only times I've really seen it be a problem is if the, the, like the league chat gets dramatic, is the best way to put it, where it starts to – there's some drama. Somebody's doing something or – somebody's making a stink about something and it just becomes this like petty bullshit that nobody likes. That's when it can get negative. But if it's a normal league with normal players that are all having a normal fun time and you say to the commissioner, Hey, I kind of went out almost every time the commissioner's like, yeah, no problem. You thanks for playing. It was a lot of fun and uh, I'm sure I'll see you around. Right. So I guess I'm curious what your thoughts are on that. Or if you've had any experiences that you want to mention as part of this, like maybe the first step is deciding if you're staying, what do you thought? What do you think about that? No, I th I think that you're right. I, you need to be in a league that you're having fun with. Yes. And for, for me, um, you know, again, I, I stepped away and I gave like probably a two year window, just kind of let my commissioners know. Um, and I staggered them because I was in, you know, multiple leagues with Commissioner A, multiple leagues with Commissioner B. So I didn't yeah. just I made sure that poison pill wasn't all at one particular commissioner all in one year because it can be challenging right to have a yeah. uh, you're right most times commissioners don't mind um they want you to find a league that you enjoy but at the same time it's challenging for a commissioner to to you know restock the league with quality active managers and i think that's the key you need to be in a league that's active because oh, at, sure. yeah. dynasty, that is the most important aspect, whether you're trading, rebuilding, winning, whatever that may be, you need to have an active league where trade offers just don't fall on deaf ears, where there's engagement. Uh, so I think that's important. The other key component to this with dynasty is you have a commissioner that you, you know, that you trust, that you feel comfortable with. Uh, a lot of times it's important to have that next year paid for because... Yeah. 
uh, that really softens the blow. If you have to bring in a talented new manager, he's more apt or she's more apt to come in and say, I'll take that team that rebuild over. If I know I'm playing for free this particular year, because that dues been paid. Yep. And it's a lot less risk. For yeah. Sure. So, so I think that's a key component. If uh, you know, you're in leagues with a lot of turnover, or there's turnover that having that next year paid for is, is a big deal. Uh, and I also think the other thing to, you know, sometimes managers want to go out and find a replacement, like, Hey, I'm going to mm. bring somebody in, make your job easier. Well, sometimes commissioners want, so the only thing I would say is be respectful because sometimes commissioners want to make sure they're bringing the right type of person in and yep. they don't necessarily want you to sell your team to the highest bidder and get, right. get a potential problem. So I think there needs to just be a level of respect that takes place between you and the commissioner. Um, any other league mates and just make sure that you're, you can leave, but don't set the league up for failure because you're either being selfish or short-sighted. Make sure that you have the league's best interest and then there shouldn't be a problem moving on. Completely agree. And that's why the first step is let the commissioner know, because yep. there are definitely some commissioners that would prefer you to find someone or don't care. And then there are some that are like, Oh, I've got a waiting list. I've got, I've got three or four guys that have already reached out that said they want in. Like, There's no, no skin off my back. And you don't know that, right? You don't, you may not know that at all. Um, I know too, there was one league that I'm in that I've been in for four years now and it just kind of got stale. Like we all just kind of grew up. We all kind of got into other leagues and got into other things. And I reached out to the commissioner in the uh, beginning of December even. And I was like, Hey, I'm probably leaving this league after this year. It's just kind of slowed down. He goes, yeah, you're the third person that's mentioned it. He's like, I think I'll just put it in the chat. Like, hey, this league's disbanding after this year. And the whole last couple of weeks, we've just been like, you know, going through and having high fives and like, you know, kind of giving each other goodbye hugs, you know? And yeah. that's been awesome. It's been great, you know, like just to kind of have one last go around, you know? Uh, and so it's like, you know, nobody's doing any trades. Waivers are kind of done, you know? So like the season's wrapping up and the league is wrapping up and that's okay, yep. right? Like there's no hard feelings. It's fine. So well, I think sometimes people get bent out of shape and thinking like, well, I don't want someone to be upset with me or I don't want to leave yep. the league in a bad spot. Nah, it's just fantasy football, man. Like it's just meant yep. to be fun. And if you're not having it, get out of it. Yeah. Yep. There's there's some leagues that I've been in, some of the best leagues that I've been in, they set a time limit on a dynasty. It was full yeah. dynasty format, but it was an eight-year window. So yep. everybody getting in knew exactly what it was going to look like. And basically the last year it turned into a redraft league because you know there was you weren't playing for two years out, but because you had those parameters set up early on, um, you know, those were probably the most competitive dynasty leagues I was in. And even though the dynamic changed as you got closer to that end date, it was still a lot of fun because you kind of knew what the window was. Yeah. And I know one of my favorite episodes of the Commissioner Impossible podcast, which I think is coming back this offseason with Scott Fish and Ryan McDowell. One of the ones I loved was they said, how do I end a league? You know, like the, how, how do we plan for ending a league? Like, what are the options for that? So that's a terrific evergreen episode that anybody in this situation should look into. But Let's say you're staying. Let's say you're sticking in this league. You, you really like what you're doing. You like the league. You like the managers. You like the format, whatever it is. And you're looking at your team and you're like, hey, I missed the playoffs this year. Heck, I made the playoffs and I got bumped. What's the first What's the first thing you do, Leo, when you're in that situation and you're kind of looking ahead to the next year? Like, what's the first thing you try to think about in, in a pivot? What What is the first, I guess, step for you in general? Uh, so the first step for me is always the same. Uh, it's... And it's difficult because we're so affected by um, bias. Recency uh, bias, I'm sure. Yeah, but right? just yeah. bias in general. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. There's so many. And, and, and you're affected by sunken cost. And you're affected by um, just 
I don't want to say dishonest, but I think honestly, it's an exaggerated opinion of your abilities as a manager. And uh, more often than not, that's the most difficult piece for me to start to make a decision on a rebuild or on, on a pivot is that I need to do a really hardcore self-evaluation on my abilities as a manager, where were my shortcomings the decisions I've made, and then a, then a really honest evaluation of my roster. Because it's easy to look at your roster and think that you're a potential playoff top three seed. In reality, you're not. And, yep. and having that cold, hard look is difficult sometimes. Sometimes it takes having somebody else look at your roster. Yep. Sometimes you yep. can't do it. And, and that's when you have a buddy that looks at it and says, you know, nah, dude, it ain't going to work. And then um, and I think that's important. Sometimes you need that second set of eyes. And, Completely. But, that, yeah. but that's the first. That's the first step. You have to evaluate yourself as a as a league manager, and you have to evaluate your roster and make a decision. Am I one or two players away from turning this around? Am I a, am I a lighted on fire and burn it to the ground situation? <laughs> and and you've got to make that decision. And the best. The best way to do that, I think, is to is to map out your players. Just put your roster up and grade them, you know, yep. grade them. And, and, and then take a look at the rest of your league and figure out what does each roster look like? Is each roster, you know, like a 90 and I'm a 75 when I total everything up? I think that's important. I think you have to you have to look at the other rosters in your league, not just your own. And to add context and then figure out where does my total strength lie? Where are my weaknesses? Is it positional? Is it age? What is it that's my weakness? And then build yourself a strategy because we all love to trade. Trading's wonderful, oh, but trading yeah. but trading without a plan is just a waste of time. Yes. Yeah. So so you have to have that time. So I think that's the key. Evaluate yourself, evaluate your roster, compare it to the rest of your league and get an idea of where you fall and then start to isolate where are my areas of weakness? For sure. Yeah. And fans of the show are going to be familiar. We do a find me a trade segment most weeks. We do, we're not doing it right now because it's the playoffs and it gets kind of wonky because this doesn't come out in time for any action to happen for some people. And it just gets kind of, it gets around the axle a little. So we just kind of let it take a break, but we do exactly that. When we look at a roster, when, it, when a listener sends us their, their league, we look the whole league up. We look the whole thing up on MFL or sleep or whatever. We pull up every team and we look across that to try to find a trade. And in doing so, you can tell, pretty quickly uh this team is contending or this team is not contending there are a couple of times where we've disagreed on the show where i'll say that you know i think this team can contend with a piece or two and you know rocky or, or drew or scott back in the day even would say things like i don't think so i think we're more than two pieces away right and that's where the differences in, in different managers can come in kind of handy and be kind of fun because you have to be honest about yourself and it, that can be tough because almost every time at the end of a season i feel like i've always got all the players i wanted on my team I went and traded for them. I added them, right? Yep. So the other thing that I like to do, and it's in that same vein, I like to look at points scored. Like, let's take some emotion out of this. Like you said, let's get this biases away. How did my team actually perform? Okay. Like, if I made it to the playoffs, let's say I was, hell, I don't know, let's say it was a five seed and I lost last week, but I'm looking at the scores and I'm like the seventh or eighth best score. And I, I you know, got kind of lucky on record or something, right? Or the opposite. Heck, let's say I'm number one in score, but I, I got the fifth seed and got bumped early. I, those two pieces of information are drastically different results to me where if I'm doing well, scoring well, and just unlucky, then I'm not rebuilding everything. I'm not tearing it down. I'm more than likely just sticking with what I got, putting my hat on and going to work and just saying, Hey, let's just get through this off season. We'll see what draft picks we can get. Let's take value. We can get it. Let's chip away at things. Right. 
But if you're looking at a playoff team that's scoring, you know, eighth out of 12, it's it might be time to look at that and go, I got extremely lucky to get what I got this year. I don't know if that's going to happen again. And even then, too, like the most obviously you've played, you've played longer than I have. How many times would you say that the best team wins the whole thing? And not very often in my book. It, it is almost always some amount of luck that wrecks some championship team's chances, right? Yep. So you have to get a little lucky anyway. So by that, I mean, you don't have to have the best team in the league to win it. And I think you put it perfectly. Top three is all I'm looking for. Just put me in the hunt. You know, make yep. me in the top three, top four, even in some leagues and 14 team leagues. I don't mean mind being what I would consider top four in that grading scale, because then you can just get lucky enough, maybe throughout the season to catch enough heat, to pick up the right waiver guys, to dodge enough injuries. You know, if, if the, if the best team in the league always wins, no one would play this game either. Let's be honest. It's kind of that part of the chaos we all enjoy, but ultimately I'm, I'm agreeing with you hundred percent. If you think you're a contender, what does that do for your offseason, Leo? Let's say I'm looking at my team and I like what I see. I'm, I'm doing well. I'm getting high points. What would you say as a contender is your your next step it, before the draft even comes up? So let, let me just say right off the right off the bat here that it's okay to love your roster and not make any deals. Yeah. I, I just because I've had squads where I have liked my roster. So and I'm not saying that guys are untouchable. That's not what I'm saying, because if somebody makes you the right offer, everybody's touchable. Right. You can. Everybody's touchable. Yes. So yep. but uh, you, but it's OK to, to need that wonderful offer. Like, right. They were talking about the Detroit Lions offensive coordinator. And he said, I wouldn't consider oh, yeah. or, or there's some rumor that he wouldn't consider a coaching job for less than 15 million a year or whatever it was. Well, why would you? You've got a perfect yeah. opportunity. Why would you take a crappy job? So I get that you don't need to make deals just to make deals. If you love your roster, you love your roster and, and let the deals come to you and turn yeah, them away. But you don't need yep. to churn. That said, if I'm a contender, there's two areas I'm looking at. If I'm a contender, I'm picking my weakest. I'm not a perfect lineup in May guy. I think those are easy targets as, as oh, trade yeah. partners, but what I am is strengthening my roster in May or strengthening my roster in February. I'm looking, I've already graded my roster because that's part of my end of season plan. Anyway, I know I've identified where my weaknesses are. Okay. Maybe I need some tight end depth because I have no contingency plan. If my starter goes out, you know, so bottom line, I'm just looking to make sure that wherever that weakness is, I'm going to strengthen it. And how am I going to do that? Am I going to do it through a trade as a contender that opens up a little bit more viability for aged players because yeah. uh, you can carry some seniority on your roster if you've got a good balance and you're a contender because you are kind of in it for the next year. So it's okay for that. So that kind of opens up a whole player pool that wouldn't necessarily be a target for you if you weren't comfortable with your roster. Uh, the other thing is draft picks. What does that look like? Because oh, yeah. that be that becomes the next biggest poker chip to move, you know, to to put into the middle of the table because that's the next big component of a dynasty season. And that's, you know, where the value is at the moment when you're coming out of February into March. So what does that look like? Do I have assets I can move? Um, do I have an asset in play that I could I buy a first, you know, a high first round pick because I do have depth at a particular position? So again, it comes down, you've already evaluated your roster. You've seen where your strengths and weaknesses are. So that tells you what your next move is. Basically, yeah. your roster strength and weakness tells you, what am I doing next? Am I moving yeah. a running back? Am I moving a wide receiver? Am I trading a draft pick? What am I doing based on the layout you did at the end of season? 
Yeah. And I think too, something that I, I harp on a lot in the, in the beginning part of the off season is like, well, let's not worry about the rookies yet. Let's not worry about any of that stuff. We got time to figure that out. I don't mind acquiring picks. That's not what I'm saying. It's just more like, I wouldn't get too worried about, you know, certain players that are just finishing their bowl games. Some players, as we've already even heard, aren't even for sure coming out in the draft. Yep. Some teams and some players are, are going to test poorly at the combine and the draft stock's going to tumble. And like, there's just too many variables when it comes to the rookies. That being said, if you're looking at your team, something I like to do, if I'm looking at my team and I'm looking at like a lot of old guys, right? Like I got Adam Thielen and DeAndre Hopkins and Tyler Lockett are my starting three receivers. I'm like, I might need to pivot to some youth here somewhere. Like where can I, where can I trade down or like break a, break something up and to get some more youth or where can I move somebody for a second and do that a couple times? Maybe you trade two seconds for a late first, that kind of stuff. Like those are the kind of moves I tend to look at first. It's just generally speaking, how old is my team? Now I'm not saying there's a number, there's a threshold. I'm not quite that hardcore. It's just, you know it when you look at it, right? I've seen a lot of teams in my time doing these, find me a trades for people. And you look at the team and you're listening off everyone. And you're like, Russell Wilson, Matt Stafford, Austin, you know, like I'm just mm-hmm. naming people that are all past their apex. And it's like, maybe this is the time in, in January, February, before rookie fever hits now might be the best time. Well, yesterday was the best time is what I say to acquire rookie picks, right? Anytime you're looking to acquire a rookie pick, it's already gone up since you started thinking about it, you know, cause the rookie picks accrue in value every day. So the better time to do it is sooner. And that's now if you're not doing it already. So that's generally where I go to is if I'm contending, whether I'm old or not, even if, if I'm contending, I'm trying to get some rookie picks now. I'm trying to sell those players that I, I thought would help me out that didn't help me out. If you don't have a trade deadline now, it's perfect for that because you can send those players for rookie picks to the teams that are still in it, right? And kind of maybe see if you can shed some of that age now that you're officially out of it. That's always what I love to do. But as soon as you don't need those points anymore, get those points off your roster. That's what I tell people. If, if you're asking me via DMs, I get it all the time. I know you do too, where it's like, hey, what should I do with this team? And they send me a link to MFL. And before you know it, we've gone back and forth for three hours, you know, a hundred messages where I'm just like, just here's what I would do. Here's what I would do. Here's what I, and I feel like sometimes it can get kind of, I don't want to say annoying. That's not the right word. It can just get kind of repetitive where it's like, you know, this is, this is generally speaking, what I tend to do is like, let's rebuild this way or let's contend this way. Um, On that note too, I've seen a lot of teams, a lot of people even, or a lot of managers that have been in my DMS for what I would say years now that I feel like are just in a perpetual rebuild. So I want to pivot to the conversation on that too, is like, let's say you're looking at your team and you're not happy with it. Let's say you look at your team and you're, you know, you, you finished 10th out of 12. Uh, you had a bunch of injuries, bad luck, whatever it was, right? You're just not scoring a bunch of points. Uh, maybe your your team is young, but just not there yet. You got guys like Quentin Johnston or Bijan Robinson who underperformed. Like these guys that are young and have value, but just didn't score any points, right? If you're rebuilding, and, and I, I want to ask this broadly, but also specifically, if you're rebuilding, Leo, how long do you generally consider a rebuild? How long should it last in your world? Depends on the activity level of the league. It really does. Terrific. So, yeah. so if it's a very active league, you should be able to turn, you know, I think you should be able to turn that team that rebuild around in two years. If, At max. Yeah. If it's yeah, active, I would agree. Yep. If it's not an active league and well, first of all, I would say consider not being in an active, you know, don't right. be in a league that isn't active, but if it isn't as active as you'd like or an act, active league to t- make that churn happen quickly, then it's, then it's probably three, three and a half years. And I think the important thing with, um, so there's a difference, there's a difference in whether or not you have a rebuild plan 
or whether you have you're executing a rebuild. They're two different things. So the sure. rebuild plan should be, you know, two years uh, max in an active league, three years in, in a slower league. But the execution needs to be measured on a weekly basis. Hmm. Are you making deals? Are you actively looking, you know, at the free agent pool? What are you doing? Are you are you do you have 10 offers out? grade yourself based on the execution because you're using every roster spot. I've seen yeah. some leagues where people are rebuilding and they've got two open roster yep. spots. Like just hold somebody there. My God. Yep. Yeah. You I'm have to, you. You, yep. you have to grade your execution on a weekly basis and then have a longer window, longer runway to execute to finish your plan. So, but you do have to measure in smaller increments on the, on the small successes and you need to have those small successes in order to maintain positive momentum. That is the most important piece in a rebuild is that because it keeps you engaged, it keeps you invested if you have small wins, small momentum gains. And, and so I think that's critical. And a lot of times what I'll do, we're talking about draft picks and trading for draft picks, is part of my re rebuild strategy is generally not only to invest in the draft class that's current, I try to go two and three years out yes. because, because that, that continues that opportunity, the value that you have in chips that you can push to the table. And I think that's critical in a rebuild is that you have that positive opportunity a year out, two years out. You have to have that. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I think uh, Jason put it here in the chat, like, you know, someone who's in a perpetual rebuild. I feel like sometimes the reason that I see managers in a perpetual rebuild and kind of in that rebuilding every year method is like what you just said. There's no there's no execution plan. You know, the, the trades that they're making are just kind of like spinning their tires in, in mud and it just feels like they're never going anywhere. Uh, I think, too, sometimes and I'm guilty of this as much as anyone, but sometimes I will make a trade just to make a trade. Right. Sometimes I'll be out with friends on a Friday night, having some beers, a trade offer comes on my inbox. And I'm like, you know what? I haven't scratched that itch in a minute. Let me hit accept. Oh, crap. I thought I was getting the other side. Right. Those MFL emails. I've done that before. Or like somebody sends me an offer and I'm like, I wonder if I can get more. But you know what? I don't feel like doing that right now. I'm not, I'm not in the right mindset or I'm doing something. I'm on vacation. Or, Let me just accept and move on. Like, no, 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 no. Take the time. You've got the time. Don't rush it. I think sometimes people too, especially in, in a perpetual rebuild mode, they want to do it in one year. They want to try to get back immediately. And then a couple of trades maybe don't go the right way or draft picks don't pan out right away. Or, you know, something, one little thing happens and they just go, screw it. I'm doing it again. And it's like, if you're going to be rebuilding every year, just play redraft. You know what I mean? Like, what are you doing yep. in Dynasty? Because really, the whole point of Dynasty is being able to turn what could be nothing or or your own team, it, you know, injuries and things happen, turning it into a Dynasty. That's why we call it that, right? It's to turn it into a contending team. And to be honest with you, too, I, I am much more a fan of taking over orphans than I am of drafting. I'd much rather take over a team that has been raked over the coals and only has one good player on it and spend two years rebuilding it. That is the fun part for me because I like making trades. I like making moves. I like getting to know my league mates. And, and we can talk about that too. Getting to know who you're playing with is a huge part of this, yep. right? Reading all the tea leaves, like you said before, like getting to know the people and their their skill sets and attributes. And like, what do they tend to look for? Are they the kind of people that when a news blurb comes out about somebody in March, they're responding like, oh, hell yeah, he's going to blow up this year. Let me send that guy an offer from my guy that he just said he liked, right? Like that's that's the kind of timing to do that. And I know you've got a lot of stuff that you talked about on Twitter, and maybe this is as good a time as any to mention it, but what is your process for getting to know your league mates? Like, how would you tell someone to do this if they've never done it before? So the advice I give is to start small. 
because you don't want it to be so labor intensive that you don't see the value in it or it turns you off. And it, and so I always say, start small, pick your favorite league, um, pick the league that you're trying to do a rebuild in, whatever that looks like. Or the most um, money or the most yeah, friends. Yeah, the longest but pick pick yep. one league yep. and, and then start to take notes. And whether you do that, like I'm a, I'm an old fashioned guy. I like a notebook. I like a pen and paper. I take notes. Some people want an Excel spreadsheet. Some people want to have, you know, some form of a Gantt chart that they can track it in. It, it all depends on what you're comfortable with. You know, my son looks at me, my son's 28 and he's like, dad, you writing a notebook. So, <laughs> I mean, it is what it is. Right. But so that's the key though. You need, so there's a couple things that I, I, I like to track. I like, I like to, tra- I like to know who's a skilled drafter. Mm, so yeah. I like to, I like to track, um, folks how they pick do they always pick the same position because that's their comfort zone do they do they go by need if they need a running back but they still pick a wide receiver because they're in that i just have to pick a wide receiver or are they picking best player available regardless of position those matter because i found over time that i need to know what player i have to jump in front of because if i'm picking eighth and somebody's picking seventh that just has the same draft board as I do. I need to get in front of that person, you know, he or she, I need to get in front of that person and I need to make sure I'm picking sixth. Uh, you know, so that's important. And I think negotiations matter because most mm. negotiations, first of all, you need to know what door to knock on. Mm-hmm. You know, if you, if you have an owner, a manager who's risk averse, you have a manager who's willing to buy risk. You need to know that you need to data sets matter. They help narrow the field and you're able to knock on the right door. Um, that said, you know, you need to be able to know the right door and you need to be able to craft the right offer. If they always, if they always like to sell rookie picks, you need to know that if they always, if they always want to buy an aging vet for the, for the title run, you need to know that those are all components. And are they the deal makers? I talk a lot about making sure that if you're, if you're trading for players and I don't mean to ramble here, but if you're, but if you're trading, but if you're trading for players, if you have two players in the same tier, and w- that you're okay with, that you see as a value. And one manager is extremely active and is quick on the response and has made a lot of deals and is a, you know, a wheeler and dealer in the league. And you've got another player that's in that same tier, but the manager that has that player rostered is one of those that has to win every trade or, yes. or has to, you know, get, you have to send 14 emails to get one response or, yeah. or they counter with something that is just so off ridiculous that, you know, what are you even th- thinking about? So if you've got two of those use, go to the deal maker. You, I mean, use, be smart about your, your strategic approach and make sure you're dealing with the right people. All of that matters. And, yes. and you can't build that portfolio and you're not going to build it overnight, but you can't build that portfolio if you don't start taking notes. You know, no. how did they handle how did they handle this trade negotiation? Did they counter four times? I, I, I'll share a quick story. I had one one league I was in and I played. I shouldn't say one league. I was probably in five <laughs> leagues with this particular owner. manager, yeah. And he would always send the trade with, Hey, these are the eight guys on your team. I'm interested in. Let's make a deal. I'm familiar with those guys. Yeah. And I would always send back. Uh, Initially I would try to craft a deal and it was always a wasted effort. And I learned two things. 
if I walked away and said, I'm not really looking to deal anybody at the moment, that would drive him crazy. Yep. And if I walked away from the deal mid-negotiation, he would meet basically whatever I wanted. So I learned those two things over trial and error, over the first couple of deals falling through and never materializing. But over the last couple of years playing with that manager, it was a fruit basket because every time he would send one of those trades, I would be like, yeah, I'm done. I'm not trading anybody. And then like clockwork, I could sit there and go three, two, one, and a new offer would come in. And then I would be like, yeah, no, I'm walking, you know, we'd work on a couple counters back and forth. And I'd be like, yeah, no, this is, I'm, we're just not going in the right direction. This is what I was willing to offer. And it, obviously you're not interested. So I'm going to take a walk and I'd walk three, two, one, boom, there would be the trade in my inbox. And it got to be so, you could set a clock to it. It was unbelievable. Yeah. And so, um, but those again, were, were, were things that I learned just from tracking and making a note saying, you know, he did it this time and, or this is what happened. And so that's my advice, right? Pick one league, start to track draft, what you consider to be the shrewd drafters, the guys that, you know, trade away valuable stuff for little to no value, track all of it and, and just have a page for each or have a sheet for each manager in the league. And after, after three months, You'll have enough data to know where am I going? Whose door am I knocking on? How am I getting this deal done? What does it always take to get a deal done? If I throw in a third, this person will always agree to the deal. Yep. What does that look like? All that matters. Yeah, we always say thirds get deals done for sure. Like those little yep. things matter. And I know too, to kind of hit on your point too, there, there are definitely some some trade partners that I've made multiple trades with. You know, there was in one of my leagues, I know there was a, there was a, I don't know, maybe like, two managers I think I made like five or six trades with total and the other, I guess nine or whatever I made none with. Right. Like yep. I just, it never came to fruition. Right. But it also comes down to like, I, I I'm one of those people that tends to send a cold offer and just kind of like, that's my method. I'm like, here's what I'm looking for. Here's kind of what I'm interested in. And then there are people that reply within, you know, a couple of hours or a day and they respond in and, and the off season anyway, and they respond a little bit and they say, okay, here's what I'm thinking. Here's back and forth. And then there are the others that just let it sit there and they never reply and they never mm -hmm. say anything. They never counter. They never reject. It just sort of hangs out. And it's like, okay, I don't know if that guy's interested or not, but I'm taking that as no and moving on. Right. Yep. And so the, on the other end of that, what I always tell people is be that guy in your league that everybody knows they can come to for a mm -hmm. trade. You want to be known as the deal maker. You want to be known as the guy that's the, the one guy, when you're looking to make a trade, I want you to think of me. Yep. When you think I, I got to sell Tyreek Hill before he falls off that age cliff, you know, let me send Andrew a trade because I'll bet he'll reply. That's okay. what you want to be in your league. You want to try to, I always tell people, you want to be the most active manager in your league if you can. Yep. And not just if you're rebuilding, obviously that helps. But even if you're contending, you want to be the first place they go to shop a player because we've all been there. There's nothing worse than when a trade goes through and you're like, oh my God, that's all you wanted. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, ah. Oh. I really yep. wish you would have reached out to me, you know, and, and take yep. notes when people say that when you make a trade too, right? Yep. Like those are the kind of things that if, if you can make a bunch of trades and, and kind of keep grinding on the trades and on waivers too, but if you can keep making those incremental moves at the margins, your your team will incrementally be better month over month over month. And that's, that's a big piece of advice that I try to tell people is like, don't give up, don't fall asleep, yep. don't let it coast, don't put it on autopilot, like Go into January, fresh start. Let's have the holidays. Let's get out of this. Let's see who's the winner. Hey, hooray. Uh, you know, send all the trains. Let's go. We're terrific. Okay, but now we're back. Everybody's equal. Everybody's zero and zero. Let's go make some trades, right? Yep. That's kind of what I do in January. Yeah, no, I agree. I think one thing to be cognizant of is um, managers sometimes don't handle things the same based on their own <laughs> roster construction. 
construction. And I think that's important. I, I, you know, I've played with a couple of managers that when they're contending, they have to win every deal by a landslide. Yeah. But if they're rebuilding, they're willing to sell the farm and, you know, for peanuts. And you really have to know the switch flips when mm -hmm. their roster isn't what, you know, they, they want it to be. Um, the other thing is, you know, from a contending standpoint, it, you know, talk about being active, even if you're, con you've got a contender, you're happy with it, you know, in leagues that allow you to trade draft picks two and three years out, that's a way to stay active and continue the churn and, and help put you in a position so that you only have to reload instead of rebuilding, yes. uh, making those, making those deals two and three years out in leagues that allow you to do that is a phenomenal way to keep the activity level up in January, even if you are happy with the roster that you have. Yep. No. And I, I think that's exactly it. And I mean, we'll kind of land a plane on this for a little bit in dynasty strategy. I mean, we could talk for hours. I, I always, that's kind of why I have a podcast is we like to talk. Um, but generally speaking, what, what I always tell people is don't just don't stop, right? Don't give up. Don't, don't look at this season as a negative. What can I learn from this? What can I look back and say, Oh, I regret making this trade or I regret starting that player or I regret drafting this thing. Like, I don't mind being regretful as long as you can learn from it. Right. And I know one of the biggest phrases I remember from, I forget even who it was now. I, I feel bad that I'm not going to, you know, give them the credit, but you either win or you learn, right? That's, that's generally how I look at this. And I'm like, I, I don't ever lose in dynasty because you're, you're never starting over. You're never wiping the slate clean. You're always going to have to take whatever you did on the chin and move on. And that ultimately will show how good of a manager you are. As I've always said, I've said this to others. It's not how you fall down. It's how you get up. Right. So at the end of the season and really where I want to end this whole conversation is, I want you to look forward if you're staying in a league and contending or not, I want you to look forward. Like I can do this. I got this. Uh, there's a lot of people on Twitter that are here to help. Uh, there's a lot of different podcasts, much like ours that are out here to give you help and give you some strategies and give you some ideas. Um, I know we're going to be taking a break from junkies here for a little bit and kind of resetting ourselves and letting our uh, energy level regain. But it's one of those things too, that I don't mind taking a break here and there, but don't generally speaking, don't give up on your league unless you're leaving the league. Right. If you can't be an active manager, and I, I mean this with all the kindness in my heart, if you can't be an active manager, get out of that league, please. There are plenty of people that will be active, and there is nothing better than the fresh blood and the fresh meat of a new owner coming in, a new manager coming in to take over an orphan. That sparks so much excitement in the league. When one manager leaves, the other 10 managers who are watching this new manager come in, and the commissioner, of course, usually in the league, are looking at this like, hey, fresh start. It's a, it's a new slate. Now this person has a bunch of players they may or may not care about. And it can spark a ton of trades and a ton of conversation and really reignite a league. I've actually seen some leagues die because nobody leaves. Yep. And it just kind of like stalls to the point where you're like, are we doing this or what? Like, what's the point? But when you have people that leave every year even or every two years or whatever, it can really make the league better. So just be active. Be happy that you're there. If you're not happy and you're not active, Go find something else to do. That's perfectly fine. This isn't for everybody. You know what I mean? Anything else you want to wrap up with, though, Leo, that we haven't covered tonight that you want to make sure you mention? No, I think I think we've like you're right. We could talk for another hour on yeah. this. And I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of other stuff to talk about as far as like uh, I had some notes down just on perception, oh. you know, just on perception and. And the fact that leverage is truly only leverage if both people looking looking at a player yes. through the same prism. I mean, I always say that the toughest 
part of dynasty for me is the value parallax because everybody looks at a player's value through a different lens. Um, all of that stuff is, like I said, we could go and have another hour like this. We'll have to have you back on for sure. Yeah. I think this is one of those things that I, I, I'm maybe on an Island and maybe you'll agree, but I much prefer the the non-point scoring season. I like the speculating season. I like the the longer stretch of it. There's no rush. Like there's no lineups to set. I've said this before. Lineups are my least favorite thing. Yep. And it's not that I, I it's not that I can't do it. It's just I have so many of them now, and that's on me. And I'm going to be cutting back. But yep. ultimately, lineups are the part that I feel like is the most luck and the least skill. Is like picking who's going to do well. It, I mean, how many times this season did we see a stud put up a zero or or one point or whatever? It's like, how was I supposed to predict that? There's no one in their right mind that would have started Jake Browning over Patrick Mahomes. Yet here right. we are, right? Yeah. Like that's the frustrating part for me, where it's like there's nothing I did wrong. My process is right. The result just came out different. I feel like in the off season or the non-point scoring season, as Daddy Russ likes to tell us, uh, it's a lot more about the process. And I yeah. like the process. I like yeah. the the grind. I like the action. I like the hustle. I like trading. I like getting to know people. And I think, too, there there is a lot of – everybody gets busy during the season with football actually being on. There's a lot to watch. There's a lot of information to digest and data to sort through. And in the off season, in, in kind of in March and April and May, and like when your rookie drafts come up, it's a lot of hope. It's a lot of optimism. It's a lot of, you know, upside. Uh, and I think that's more my sp- my speed anyway, right? Like it's a lot more like, you know, looking ahead to the future and being happy about it. So I'm excited for this next off season. I'm excited to have some, some more uh, chats with people in this off season. And again, like I said, we'll have to have you back on because I love doing dynasty st- uh, strategy talk. And again, you're one of my favorites out there, Leo. I don't know if I've said that before, but uh, I, just, I, I really appreciate it. I appreciate that. And, you know, I'm kind of a niche uh, guy on Twitter, but you know, all of the stuff we're talking about tonight is in my timeline to, yeah. you know, just search my handle and search whatever it is you're looking for, whether it's rebuilding, you know, whether it's dynasty strategy, whatever it is, I try to put out, you know, a thread every, every week or two. And, um, so it's definitely there, uh, you know, but as far as coming back on and, and, you know, having this conversation again, I'd love to, and, you know, just let me know when, and, uh, certainly appreciate you inviting me on and giving me, a format to you know ramble on about all the different things i like over here for dynasty uh fantasy football i I like to learn as much as i like to educate right that's what i always tell people like you're you're never you're never the smartest man in the room as i like to think i'm never if you are if you are you need to find a new room different room exactly if if i'm in if i'm the smartest man in the room something has gone horribly wrong like what Uh i I don't mean that i just meant if you find yourself the smartest person in a room man find a new room because you always want to be learning yeah. And that's what I mean. If I can't learn from anybody that I'm talking to, then something's gone wrong. Cause I, that's usually where I'm seeking out people that I can, I can steal from. Yeah. So again, I think that was a really helpful discussion. Hopefully our listeners got some fun out of that before we wrap it up tonight. And for the year, so to speak, uh, we are going to go through some of our listener league updates. I want to make sure that we give some of these guys a shout out for the terrific seasons that they've had. So dynasty junkies one, uh, Jerry Shea, still the number one seed is facing funky bunch this week who beat Dr. Toboggan. That was a fun one. Uh, he, he beat him pretty handily, but also the number three seed one over the number six. That happens. Our joint team, uh, Rocky and I are sharing Dynasty Junkies one. We got to buy the number two seed and we're facing off against Beats by Ray. So he's a number four seed. So one, two, three and four all advance in DJ one. I think it'll be a fun finish to the season. And again, thanks so much to you guys for uh, being the OGs on this one and going way back with us in DJ one. Uh, Dynasty Junkies two is a 14 teamer. This week, we uh, in two and three, I think we both do uh, a draft for the postseason, which is kind of fun. So every round, the top seed gets to pick their opponent. So, And I'll go through these two bigger sections here, but Andrew Ember is facing off and chose to face off against the Laughing Lizards. 
And then Trey Lance, Lance Refrigeration is facing off against me, the Forking Shirtballs, who was the number two seed, who won in a pretty high scoring matchup last week against Mercer, Dynasty Coast to Coast or Coast to Coast Dynasty Mercer. Uh, but we've had some other teams that have you know fallen out. And there were some trades that were made uh, after. I'm pretty sure this was after the draft. Uh, and I wanted to go through these real quick. If you have a second, Leo, I just want to get yeah. your opinion on some of these. So the first one was find me a team name who is now out of the playoffs, gave up Isaiah Likely to Andrew Imber, who is the number one seed. And I just mentioned for Greg Dolchitz and two fourth round picks. So again, it's kind of a smaller trade, but which would you mm-hmm. rather have Isaiah Likely or Greg Dolchitz and two fourth round picks? Knowing Andrew Ember is contending too. Like, let's look at that. Let's put it in that lens, right? Like, he's looking yep. for some points. Yeah, I think honestly. So these are fourteen team leagues, right? So yep. tight end fourth, premium. So the so the tight end premium factors in the fourth rounders are a little bit devalued simply because you're not talking about a twelve team league. I think I would rather. I think with Andrews' uh, you know health issues over the course of the last you know couple seasons, I think I'd rather have likely than. Uh, um, then Dolce's in the, in the two fourth rounders. I would too. I'm, I'm likely to pick likely on this one myself. And again, this is one of those perfect trades of why you don't have a deadline, right? Like, let's go add a little bit of points. Let's go trade some bench depth. You know, Dolce's is on IR and fourth round picks, like you said, are kind of crapshoots anyway, right? Yep. So I thought that one was a fun one. And then uh, yesterday I made a pretty good trade and I made another one today. So last night, actually, I accepted this one and I was kind of I wanted to sleep on it. Then I'm like, nah, screw it. Let's go. So I'm in the playoffs. As I mentioned, the number two seed facing off against Trey Lance, Lance refrigeration this week. And I've got a, I've got a team that could be better. So I sent Bijan Robinson and CJ Stroud two monster players in dynasty right now, right? Mm-hmm. Those are two guys that are getting a ton of attention. BJ Robinson or sorry, Bijan Robinson mm-hmm. and CJ Stroud for Trevor Lawrence, Jameer Gibbs and Zay Flowers. And obviously the Stroud is better than Lawrence in most situations. Now we're thinking he may not even play this year or may not play this week. Um, Gibbs and Robinson are pretty close, but most people have Bijan ahead. So that Flowers is kind of like that filling the gap piece. And I'm looking at this as a contender and someone who wants points this year. I thought it was a good move. What are your thoughts on that one, Leo? How bad did I do? <laughs> I don't I, – well, I, I mean, it's close. And for the reasons you mentioned um, – I do think that if it had been me pushing Bijan and Stroud out the door, I would have wanted something other than Zay Flowers to push it over the top. And whether that was two seconds or whether that was adding a third on my side and getting a first back on the other side, um, even if it was adding a sec- late second on my side and potentially getting a late first back on the other side, I think that's the bump I would have been looking for. In the whole scheme of things, I think Bijan is devalued, obviously, because of Arthur Smith. And if he's yeah. replaced, what does that look like next yep. year? Um, and I think you lost the trade potential of Stroud in yep. the moment because I think that his value only goes up in the offseason in Superflex. So I the agree. fact that you're missing that window is why. I and mean, again, it's not a bad trade. I mean, because yeah. Gibbs may ultimately be better than Bijan anyway. Sure. So, um, but I just would have wanted a little bit more um, of a bump than Zay. But I mean, ultimately Zay could end up being, you know, the number one in Baltimore for the, you know, next five years. And you end up winning this deal by quite a bit. Well, and I'm, I was looking at this too. Like Bijan has been just, I, I'm so frustrated with him this season and you're entirely right. He is devalued as is CJ Stroud with this injury and things like that. Right. 
So I'm looking at this like if I'm going to contend, if I'm really going to go all in, and Andrew Ember in this league has a hell of a team, I, I feel like I need to go for upside, and I need to do it now. Mm-hmm. Uh, 14-teamers get tricky, especially in super flex. Quarterbacks are hard to come by. And I do think Trevor Lawrence is the real deal. I think he's going to have a nice bounce-back season next year. And I do, I'm do, i with you. I think Gibbs could be better than Bijan. We don't know that yet. Um, the other receivers on this team, though, were uh, Tyreek Hill, Jamar Chase, and A.J. Brown were ahead. We're like above Zay Flowers. So I'm like, oh, I'm not going to be able to get up to one of those guys right. without giving up a lot. We did go back and forth and eventually ended up not coming up with anything. And I landed on Flowers. I'm like, close enough. But then this morning, the same manager sent me some offers for Tyreek Hill. And I was like, I was kind of looking at Hill and I couldn't quite put something together. I'm like, well, hey, this door is still open. Maybe I can still figure something out. So the next trade is with the same manager. This morning, we made a trade. I sent uh, my 24 first, which is likely a late 24 first. Mm-hmm. Trey McBride and Jalen Guyton, just kind of as a filler for Tyreek Hill and Tucker Craft. And this one I was actually happier with. And, and I knew Corey was the one that made the trade with me on both of these. And I feel like if you put it all together, it makes it really confusing. But I think these two halves of the trade are still pretty even. So it's McBride, a 24 first and Jalen Guyton for Tyreek Hill and Tucker Craft, just to kind of give me somebody at tight end. Because after that, I've got, you know, Hudson mm-hmm. and other guys like nobody really of, of value. But I was looking at this like I will gladly take the risk of Tyree Kill in my lineup. I think that makes me a significantly better team right now to potentially go win this week and maybe even next week for the title. So, again, being the same team is a little odd and a little bit different, but also that's what happens. And that's what being an, an active manager can do. So what do you think about this one, Leo? Yeah, I think you capitalized on the McBride hype. Um and, and you know, got the best player in a deal, and and even in a tight end premium league, it still matters who the best uh, who the best players are in a fourteen team league. I mean, that's important when you differentiate differentiate yourself with a with a you know top three at a position. Um, so the the only so I think I think you won, and I think ultimately collectively with with what you know you traded earlier with what you traded mm-hmm. now, you know I think you uh, it even things to some degree. The only the only thing I would add to you about this whole situation is don't nix a trade in your head because you're being rational. Uh, and I think that's just something that comes over time. You can talk yourself out of making an offer because you don't want to seem unreasonable. Yeah. Um, you know, like you would say, oh, I would never make this deal. So there's no way I'm going to ask for Tyree because that just doesn't make sense. Uh, you basically talked yourself out of an opportunity, even if you don't put it in the, the trade itself, put it in the comments. Just yeah. say, I really would like to find a way to get one of your top three receivers, but I just don't see a way to make it work. Because then right. at least you express the interest. Um, but again, I think you rebounded. And I think that ultimately, collectively, it's uh, I think you came out with a slight advantage. Well, and two, just with the way that this trade talk specifically went down, and, and obviously this is not going to be indicative of every trade. But during the first trade talk, when he was like, well, I'm not really interested in giving up Gibbs. and like, well, what if I add Bijan? And then he's like, oh, now I'm interested. You know, like so it kind of you go back and forth and you start to open up doors that you maybe thought weren't opening. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think, too, when, when we were talking initially, there was some talk about adding Tyreek in my first in that first trade. And it just it never really came together. It just didn't really feel right. Okay. And I was there. also like, you know what, like CJ Stroud, I really like, but he's kind of spotty right now. And I, I kind of want to make sure I get the points and 14 team. I got to get a QB back. Like so in my yep. head, it was like, you know, I don't like giving up Bijan and Stroud, who are probably the best two players in that trade. 
But in yeah. my head too, I was like, well, then if I can come back and get Tyreek on that next trade, I feel like it balances out. And that's what trades should be. It should be like yeah. a little give and take. You don't always have to win every trade. And I think that's the best I don't know, piece of news, I guess, from this. So that's where we'll land on DJ too. So again, my, my team is significantly different than it was when they drafted teams, which is what makes this kind of fun. Um, so again, that could make a make a difference. Maybe I lose anyway. We'll see. Do you, do you think there was a little recency bias in your uh, Stroud assessment? Just out of curiosity. I would say it's not necessarily recency bias. I think it's more of I want the points and Stroud may not put up the points. I got you, you know, my I other QBs yep, are yep. a little bit shaky and I was yep. expecting Trevor Lawrence to play. He might still. I mean, so I don't yeah. need need him. But if I don't start him, I'm starting like, you know, <laughs> Danny DeVito's son, Tommy. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm looking at a. A little bit of a reach but my logic too is if i can get tyreek on that team i feel a lot better about my upside yep. like he can go off for 35 points he's trying to get 2,000 yards this year you know he's he missed a game he's gonna need the, the yard so yep. that's the talk on dj2 we'll kind of wrap that up and then we'll pivot to our last league dj3 uh this one again we had the draft and everything which was kind of entertaining so the the best team the best hooker who's been the best all season uh chose the real jason real people who was in the the comments earlier so that left craig booker and matt cisco uh to kind of face off and the other matchup, uh, it's it's kind of funny, actually. Our DJ3 team uh, was in the playoffs as the number four seed and lost to real people, lost to Jason. So congrats, Jason, on beating us. But after that draft was done, Jason went out and made a trade, which changes things in my mind. I'll get to that. But uh, well, we'll start with that one. So after the draft was done and the best hooker knew who he was playing, real people gave up Tank Dell for Rashi Rice. Straight up, one for one. And that obviously is a win now for win later kind of trade, right? Mm -hmm. Tank Dell is on IR. He's not playing this week for sure. Rashi Rice is probably a top 20 receiver at this moment where things are with Kansas City. There's a lot of question marks about both of them heading into next year. But Leo, just kind of in a ranking sense almost, which would you rather have in Dynasty long-term and short-term, Rashi Rice or Tank Dell? Dell by a small margin, but I think when you factor in the no trade deadline, what that implication is for the rest of the season – um, uh, then I understand why you would want rice, but, um, but I mean, they're close. You're not talking about, you know, three tiers away. So, um, absolutely understand why you'd make the deal. Yeah. And that's kind of where my thought was when I saw this come through. And then of course it lit up the group beat chat because, uh, you know, Kyle best hooker was like, Oh man, I wish that trade would have gone through before I would have chosen different. And I'm like, that's what makes it fun. Like that's the whole right. craziness of this. So that was kind of entertaining. Uh, another little trade was, uh, Kyle then after that trade, decided to trade away a 25 third for Ty Chandler. And again, I love this as a response to that trade and saying, okay, well now I've got to do something to maybe add a little bit of points to my roster. So he sent a third for Ty Chandler to the recovered Ridley truther who put in the chat, like any, you know, open, you know, any third gets, gets Ty Chandler, right? Just one of the, oh. and I love when people do that, like auto accept first one to get it, get it, you know, and I just, so again, I think that was a, that was a clever move by Ridley truther, but also by Kyle then to say, all right, you're going in. I'm going to have to, you know, let's, let's add a little bit to my roster too. Let's make sure I've got some depth because Ty Chandler looked pretty good last week. He might be the top dog again. Uh, but again, as a contender, as the best team in the league, which would you rather have a 25 third or a Ty Chandler? I think, you know, all things factored in playoffs and everything, you know, Chandler now, obviously, I think is a, I think, I guess what I would say is the managers in this league obviously know what they're doing, right? Because that's, that's a good value. That's the right value to probably ask for. You're not getting a second, but a third gets it done. Um, So, so props to them for being able to orchestrate a good value deal. Um, 
I guess I would rather have Chandler long term. The only the only hesitancy I would have is what could that third potentially get mm-hmm. me in twenty five. But that's such a long window to wait that you can get that third back next year. You know, in twenty four, yep. you can make a trade and reacquire a third rounder, maybe a better position with another player. So in the whole scheme of things, give me Chandler now, and I'll worry about the twenty five third rounder next season. Yeah, and something I find myself asking a lot is like, could I have gotten someone better than Ty Chandler right now for that 25 third? I mean, maybe, but not incrementally much. You know, like a 25 third isn't worth too much. Like it's two years out. Like you just said, you can get it back. I mean, it is a third. It's something, but it's not like, I don't know, it's not a second, right? Like it just isn't. And even in a 14 team or like a 25 third for what is most likely going to be the best team could be a 3.12 or 3.13, right? Yeah. Like it could be a late third, which is a fourth round pick. So, in my head, it was like, well, I, he, I know Ridley Truther put that in the chat. I'm guessing he didn't get any bites. But then after that Rashi Rice trade, you know, best hooker is like, all right, yeah. screw it. Let me go get a yeah. guy. And that's yeah, what I love about it's this. It's not offer. sexy, but it's a no. it's a solid deal. No, it makes it it makes it happen. And that's the whole point. Oh, and here's Jason actually is in the chat. He said, I wanted to keep Dell, but the points to help my team yeah. maybe win was big. Totally agree, Jason. Agree, 100%. Again, as a number seven seed, like squeaking into the playoffs, you got to strike when that iron is hot. Yeah. I love that move. So again, hopefully it works out for you, especially because you beat us. My logic on anything is if you beat me, I want you to win it all because then I don't feel so bad, right? Like right. at least then I lost to the champ. Uh, the last trade was uh, another playoff team looking for some win now pieces. So again, our team lost this week. Dynasty Junkies three. Uh, our our team lost to to Jason, like I just said, and uh, the Matt Cisco team was looking for a QB. So Junkies three in this league gave up Derek Carr, Raheem Mostert, and a twenty four third for Matt Cisco's twenty four first. And the logic was here again: we're giving up a QB without getting one back, which I always hate doing, especially in fourteen teamers. Mm-hmm. But Derek Carr makes me nervous. I mean, he's not playing terrific tonight, but he's playing, which is more than some. Uh, Raheem Mostert is 31, still looking great this year, but we don't know what the future is for that. It could be Devon and Chains after this. And I was looking at this. I was the one that made this trade. I was looking at this like maybe another rookie pick would help our team. We need to do something to get younger. And so I'm willing to give up some aging assets to just kind of kick it to a rebuild. We're obviously not dominating this year. We had the lowest score of the week in the in the finals, you know, in the playoffs. Like we, we're just not where we need to be. So I'm like, you know what? Let's screw this. Let's pivot to a rebuild. Let's get another pick and see what we can get with that. So again, Derek Carr, Raheem Mostert, and a third for a first. What do you think, Leo? I think, first of all, you know, credit to a, a solid evaluation on on realizing where you were and and wanting to build an asset, have an asset, acquire an asset that's going to, that's going to put you in a better position to succeed going forward. So um, I I think it was a good deal. I mean, even if it ends up being a late first, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. It's still a first and that's still going to be trade equity. And you may ultimately be able to trade that first into players, younger players that you want. The shelf life on Mostert is, is short. Um, even though he's prolific this year, he may be have a decent year next year, but that runway's not long. So um, you capitalized on, on you know what you needed to do. Adding the third probably got the deal done, and I think yep. you uh, again assessed correctly. You know, made the right decision and and moved to uh, to acquire poker chips to be able to continue to play and build your roster. So well done. Yeah, and I'm, I was looking at this too again. Like, this is our league of chaos where anybody can do anything. Our, the three of us, you know, Scott, Rocky, and I are all managing together, and we're not communicating with each other at all. We're just kind of taking it like it's our own league. 
Uh, I would love to hear Rocky or Scott's thoughts on this when this came through, just to be like, if, it, if they were totally for it or totally against it, I would, I would just love that. Because I know in some of the trades that have happened, especially during the draft, that was chaos. Because there was one trade that, that Scott made to acquire the pick that was on the clock. And then he was like, okay, great. Who are we taking? Like, you made the trade. Well, who are you trying to take here? So, like, it was just, it was so much fun <laughs> just to add that. Like, he's like, I don't know, just want to make a trade because you guys are making trades. Like, so I think that's what makes this so much fun. And again, the, the listeners are, are terrific. We're really big fans of everybody that's in, in all of these leagues with us. So, thank you again to everybody. Good luck with the rest of these seasons. And we're, we're definitely going to have some championships coming out of this that'll be well, wor- well worth it, well earned, and all of that. So, with that, we're going to kind of get out of here tonight. First thing I got to do, of course, Leo, is thank you again so much for coming on. Uh, where can people find you? And and are you, I guess, I know you mentioned a little bit, but like, are you planning on doing anything in 24 or are you going to kind of stick in the shadows like where you've been? Yeah. So for the most part, anybody can find me on Twitter at, you know, Siga, C-I-G-A underscore F-F. Um, I'm available DMs, you know, just in my Twitter feed. I may write a couple of articles. I mean, I tend to focus on real life tools that can potentially be applied to fantasy football. Last one I did was on the Eisenhower matrix and how that business tool could work for fantasy football. I plan on doing a couple more. I want to do an article on uh, neutral thinking and how that affects fantasy Mm. football. Um, And there's a couple other leadership uh, skill programs that I think would help with ambiguity and, uh, and, and dealing with some of the challenges that we face either at draft time or during uh, rebuilds with just, uh, again, uncertainty and ambiguity. So I'm going to work on a couple of those. Those will be out on DLF. The one thing I do want to push in my 30 seconds that I have is um, I've been doing a lot of uh, work with Ronnie Evans as far oh, yeah. as uh, AI and what the AI, AI implications are in, in fantasy football, what that looks like, uh, how does that help when it comes to statistics and analyzing and how can AI help make us better fantasy football players. So I would just encourage anybody. Ronnie's a great guy. You can follow him at Ronnie. Uh, it's IE, Ronnie, IE, uh, A. Evans. Uh, on uh, on Twitter. So go ahead and give him a follow and, and reach out if you have any AI questions uh, on how it can impact fantasy football, writing articles, working on statistics. Again, he's a great guy, great resource. So that's my plug, basically. Uh, I've been fascinated by it. I've been playing around with it a little bit to see what it can do. And um, just as just a helpful tool, like if I want to write an article on a particular subject, what information can AI give me? And it's pretty, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, it and is. I've, yep. was, I've been blown away by the whole experience. Really, an old guy like me getting in there and trying to learn a, a new craft has been pretty, uh, pretty enlightening and a lot of fun. So anyway, that's my plug. Give Ronnie a follow, and uh, and you can find me at DLF and on Twitter. Perfect. Yeah. And Ronnie's been on the show. I'm a big fan of Ronnie. Ronnie's my boy. Uh, yeah, we, we uh, had a great time at the expo. Look forward to meeting him again. Ronnie's one of those people that if he calls, I answer like, you know, yep. anytime he's texting me, it's, it's some crazy good idea that I want to talk about. Uh, we're talking about maybe starting up another podcast this off season with him and, and doing some other stuff and kind of being more around content creation and things like that. And again, using that leveraging AI and things like a lot of stuff in the works. Ronnie's terrific. You're exactly right. So I'm glad you were able to mention him there, but with that, obviously, you can follow me at Andrew Hall FF. You can follow the Junkies at Dynasty Junkies. You can follow the DAP Network at DAP underscore network. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's at DAP Network on YouTube without the underscore. But you, if you're watching, I'm sure you've seen it before. Uh, but follow us. I Just like Leo said, too, Like I, my, my DMs are open. I, I try to accept DMs from anybody. I'll do my best to respond. 
you know, I do have a normal nine to five job and, you know, not always available. Sometimes I've got a life, right? Sometimes I'm out doing stuff and not able to respond to Twitter all the time. Uh, but I do my best to try to answer every single message that I get. Uh, even if it's a little late or not in your time frame, I apologize. But again, it's busy this time of year, right? Uh, but all of that aside, definitely keep submitting your teams for Find Me a Trade. That segment will be back when we return. Uh, definitely subscribe, rate, review, do all that kind of stuff. Thank you to the the people in the chat. We had Bob Bil- Bob Gilchrist, who, who's been on the show, Jason Real, who's in our league, uh, a couple others in there, too. So, again, thanks so much, everybody, for coming out. And with that, we're going to say it. Junkies out. Junkies out.